everybody. It's Jameson Oxford. Uh, I am your dungeon master. If you listen to the show, you'll hear me make a silly joke about what I am every at the beginning of every episode. But uh, for this one, if you're a new listener, I highly recommend you take a listen to what I'm about to say because I'm going to lay out the synopsis for our show up to episode 100. Uh, I meant to release this before episode 101, but uh, my life's been a little bit busy lately. And uh, I couldn't quite get it edited in time. It ended up being a lot to tell you. Um, I hope that if you give this a listen, it'll pique your interest and you'll start listening to us. And maybe even it'll inspire you to go backwards and listen to the show uh, that led us to where we are now. This is going to drop just before episode 102. Uh, you'll, I recommend listening to 101 because I don't tell you what happens in that episode here. Uh, but thanks for dropping in. Welcome to Torchlit Tavern. Check out our website or our Patreon, our Instagram. All of those can be found at Torchlit Tavern or Patreon slash Torchlit Tavern. You probably know how those websites work. Uh, Jeff does a better job than me. I hope you enjoy this recap to bring you up to speed. Thank you all for listening and welcome to our little slice of podcast life. I'm awkward. I don't know what to say because there's no one here to play off of, and I'm a DM without a party, and that's really freaking weird. So I'm just sort of fade away, and then I'm gonna talk to myself. So. Our campaign began: the strange noise and a flash of green light in the sky. A comet streaks across Celestian, crashing into the forest near the capital city of Griffinport, drawing various factions of the city to its wreckage. Two of our heroes, Roy, a local thief, and Damon a warlock with memory problems, are some of the first to arrive trying to beat the king's palace guard to what is likely a chance for quick loot. But they aren't the first to arrive at this strange site, which seems to be a large ship that appears to have been woven of wicker, half-shattered in the forest. The city's thieves' guild moved quickly and beat them to the prize, and in so doing was the first to encounter what appears to be the only survivor of the crash, an angry air elemental that Roy and Damon witnessed tearing through the unlucky guild members. After using what remains of what appears to be gunpowder to clear the bottom level of the ship, they find little else aboard, until they stumble upon a strange woman lying impaled by the debris of the captain's quarters. She begs for Roy to quote-unquote embrace her, and he finds himself complying as the fey woman uses the last of her power to bond to the halfling thief, turning him into a fey-packed warlock. Damon locates a small chest that he finds himself unable to open and buries it quietly in the woods asking for his unholy patron to protect it, after which they make a quick exit to avoid arousing the ire of the king's palace guard, who arrive later that evening. Meanwhile, an old Goliath by the name of Bruce spends what he believes to be his last night of freedom and likely life in a cell in the city watch jails. He does time for throwing palace guards in the ocean over a recent law prohibiting his favorite activity, fishing. The so-called assault on Palace Guard, though likely justified, has brought him squarely in front of the King's Law. As Bruce is placed on trial between talks of trade treaties and war, Damon and Roy have snuck in separately to witness the proceedings. Damon is irked by seeing the chest he hid in the woods paraded before the throne, but finds himself unable to do anything about it. It quickly becomes apparent that the king's new laws are not his own. The king's regent and brother, Robert II, has been doing much of the royal duties in the absence of his ill sibling. And while it looks bad for Bruce, during his hearing, an entrance by the ailing King Roland demonstrates that Bruce's reputation as a Goliath is known and appreciated by the king himself, 
who make short work of this farce of a trial. Soon after, the Deuce recognizing an opportunity to do something about the enemies to the Crown, simply known as the Griffinport Thieves Guild, attempts to dupe Bruce, who is a known felon, into working for the castle as a spy amongst the Guild, a meeting that Damon weasels his way into attending. Soon after, Roy, Bruce, and Damon find themselves finally meeting one another as they are drawn together by a high-ranking thief known as Canton, a man holding rank of Fox in the Guild. After Bruce informs Canton that the king's brother has tempted to hire him as a snitch, Canton brings him to meet his boss, Darius, who believes they can use this to their advantage, and also convinces the group to help the Thieves' Guild pull off a large heist and to rob the Royal Bank of Griffinport. The fey lady that now talks to Roy in his mind, going by the name Avil, after seeing an item recovered from the crash during the court proceedings, impresses upon Roy the importance of this heist and that he must get the chest by telling him cryptically that it bears within it a mantle. In order to proceed, Canton recommends that they find and add a local dwarf merchant named Bapadopoulos to their group, and in the course of doing so, find themselves drawn into fighting a cult that seems to specialize in kidnapping young children, a group of scarred and twisted females known as the Cult of Vina. After saving the children and burning down the city manor house used as their hideaway, they bring several kidnapped children to the safety of a local church known as the Church of Vespra, a goddess of love and beauty that specializes in local charity and protection. One of the small girls, Julie, who was left maimed, missing one ear from her or ordeal, finds herself attached to the group, and Damon in particular, who was the one who pulled her literally from the fire. After finishing and tabling their problems with the Cult of Vina, they gather their new full party to prepare for a heist planned by the Thieves' Guild. The plan is to steal from the Royal Bank, and in so doing, procure money, documents, and the box obtained from the crash site, all in one fell swoop. But they quickly learn that their timetable has been shortened, when they hear that the box is going to be moved to the castle's dungeons soon. They decide to steal the box in transit, while Bruce and members of the Thieves' Guild rob the bank vault. And in order to do so, Roy sneaks into a local tinker shop to steal a device known as a car from a gnome named Tigawog, who catches Roy in the act, but shows a need for adventure and demands to be let in on the heist. Meanwhile, Damon's patron reveals himself as the Archduke of Hell himself, Azazel, Lord of Pride, who encourages Damon in this heist for his own reasons, sending Damon to a home of the driver set up to drive the bank car to the castle a man that Damon murders in cold blood, only to find that he is a married man with a child on the way. As the heist begins, Damon, disguised with magic to look like the man he killed, steals the bank car and box. Bruce, Canton, and the Thieves' Guild tough Mullion rob the bank from below. But Damon has been informed by his patron and several cultists of Azazel that the box found by the king's men is not the one he hid. The original mantle was stolen away, and the one he is stealing was swapped out with a large magical explosive that they wish him to deliver to the Temple of Newman, a major enemy to the denizens of hell. But the murder of an innocent man, and the impending massacre he is about to take part in, leads Damon to defy the Lord of Hell and to sacrifice the gifts of his patron. As his power is fading, and he begins a mad race through the city, the others of his group become completely unaware of what he is up to. They give chase, as well as do the agents of Azazel. Bruce finally catches Damon atop the cliffside city wall, pinning him and a guard down. Damon, in a frantic confession, tells Bruce to throw the box. Bruce, trusting him, doesn't question it, grabs the box, and hurls it from the city wall, seconds before it detonates. This causes extensive damage to the city wall, and leaves Bruce carrying what appears to be a limp Damon from the rubble. Later, Dylan, 
who forsakes his fake personality of Damon, is nursed to health by the sisters of Vespra, and the party divide the spoils of their heist and the secret documents stolen from Regent Robert's lockbox. Damon has also been made aware that the box sought by everyone was taken the night he buried it by agents of Azazel and spirited to the capital of Bree, a neighboring nation under a dark ruler. Bop is warned by a contact of his at the dock about a delivery of war machines and seedy men from across the sea. After some antics in the interim, where the party catches a killer whale in a frantic moment of extreme fishing, and then they argue about it unceasingly for the rest of the show, the party is gathered again by the king, who wishes to curry favor with Bruce, who he considers a man of the people. At dinner with the king, Dylan, who still does not remember his life before his help act, finds himself unexpectedly face-to-face -face with his father, Willen Bennett, a high-ranked noble and captain of the royal army. His father, outraged at his layabout son, stooping so low as to quote-unquote fake his own death, starts a small scuffle, in which Roy and Mullion, who have snuck into the dinner as servants, make off with several valuables but not before being caught red-handed by Krieg and Talos of the Church of Newman, a particularly serious bunch. In the chaos of this meeting, the king has a severe coughing fit, causing him to collapse and the dinner guests to be forced from the castle as guards rush the king to safety. Roy and Mullion, upon leaving the party, chased by palace guard, arrive back at Thieves' Guild headquarters, where they are told that Canton has not been seen since that morning. They search the frozen city, only to find the body of Canton lying face down in the snow, and are soon set upon by an assassin set up in wait for their arrival. Roy manages to kill this assassin, but in so doing is arrested by the city watch. Meanwhile, a strange gentleman has appeared in the city, dressed in fashionable black clothing and lacking mortal flesh, a fey being that takes the form of a skeleton and goes by the moniker, the Gentleman Skeleton, Mr. Grimm who finds himself unexplainably and seemingly permanently summoned to the mortal realm. Grimm is introduced to Dylan and Bruce, who at first believe him to be an undead skeleton, and, not knowing what to do with him, drop him off the local church to the god of death. Dylan, in his quest to turn over a new leaf, joins the city watch, and on his first night finds his co-workers teaming up with Bruce in order to provide him with a good old-fashioned hazing, only to have the fun interrupted by a much realer threat of an assassination attempt upon Bruce himself. They rout the assassins and flee to the City Watch headquarters. Grimm meets Roy at the Church of Moors as the body of his boss and friend, Canton, are delivered for funeral rites before he is taken to jail by the Watch. Grimm aids Roy in escape and finds himself taking the place of Roy in the cart headed to prison. Bop's Dorvan clan has arrived and taken the king's deal of land and coin in order to fix the destroyed wall and cliff face left over from the explosion. Bop is called in to investigate strange going-ons beneath the city. Bop gathers the aid of Dylan and the strange Mr. Grimm in this endeavor, while Bruce and Roy, who after a quick investigation find out that Regent Robert has hired assassins to quietly silence the party. Focused on the attempts upon the lives of themselves and their friends, they seek out these assassins, attempting to find them first. Chasing one of the assassins leads Bruce and Roy to meet the others beneath the city, where the cult of Vina has kidnapped several of the Dorvan immigrants' children. They learn from a fallen cultist that the cult, led by Akara, a woman from Dylan's past he thought was dead, intends to use the children to summon the devil queen Lilith, and in so doing, use her powers to subjugate the city. They are joined by Daedalus, a young paladin from the Church of Newman, who they met while dining with the king and set off to stop the ritual. 
In the journey, they are split up, and Bruce, Bop, and Daedalus find themselves in a secret cavern beneath the city, where two artifacts lay forgotten. A noble hammer of creation, wielded by dwarves, and the terrible eye of the giant god Magog. The eye bonding with Bruce, the first giant to find it in hundreds of years, while Bop picks up the hammer. And it immediately tells Bop that his only choice will be to destroy his friend, sooner or later. Dylan races ahead of the group in the hopes of getting to Akara first. Akara is a woman from his past who he remembers to be his wife, and who he assumed was dead. He finds himself up against more than he bargained for, as two of the assassins have allied with the cult of Vina in order to draw our heroes into an unwinnable fight. The split party converges from two sides of a giant geode-like chamber, and find the cult hurting dwarven kids in order to create energy to open a portal to hell, a portal that seems to be rebuilt on a convergence of what Grimm calls ley lines, or roots of the world tree. These roots being conduits of power that have grown beneath the city, converging on a strange gemstone set into the roof of the cave. As the heroes arrive, their enemies find themselves unprepared for Bruce's new godlike ferocity and the tenacity of his allies. A hectic battle ensues, and the ritual is barely stopped. In the scuffle, the ritual circle is damaged, the cult of Vina is gutted, and Bruce appears to have a stroke. As the party scramble to help themselves and their new allies, Dylan learns from Akara that his lost loved one and the memories that were taken by his pact with Azazel were of his dead son and not of her. In his shock, he picks her limply up and jumps into the choppy waters below, leaving Daedalus and Bop to save their lives. The party take Akara back through the Dorvan mining town, pretending to carry bodies so as not to erase suspicion, taking Akara to be jailed by the sisters of Vespera after learning that the one he thought he had lost was his son and not his woman as he assumed. Dylan realizes he is not over his mission or truly free from Azazel, as the devil speaks to him at night, telling him, it was for his own good. After the confrontation beneath the city, they bury their friend Canton. After which, Bruce goes off under the influence of Magog to negate the threat he perceives on his life, only to assault the head of the assassins, a man who is openly spending time with the king's brother. This man's name is Gavrillo. Bruce is arrested and taken on trial for the second time, but the assassin leader Gavrillo, in a strange show of sportsmanship, declares before the gathered court that he does not wish to press charges. This surprising statement frees Bruce despite the obvious distaste Robert has for this decision, but Robert, with his brother Roland fully in a coma, has been named acting ruler of Griffinport, and so frees Bruce, but not before Bruce speaks with a tax collector and clerk by the name of Alec, who clues Bruce in that Robert has been paying someone in the Mages Guild a lot of money lately. Bruce finds himself immediately shuffled off by representative citizens of the poor amidst talks of electing a heretofore unseen, quote-unquote, people's noble. To be elected before the large question of war with Bree is brought before the court. They try to convince him that as an old and respected member of the city, and also a member that represents the downtrodden and abused minorities, that he would be perfect for this role but it is a role he roundly rejects, despite cajoling and spirited argument from the party and Mother Granlund, a half-giantess priestess and friend from the Church of Vespera. In the interim, Roy and Grimm competed for a strange jewel they both noticed below the city, a jewel that seemed to be gathering the power of the ley lines. While racing each other for this prize, they both noticed that the Church of Newman seemed to be strangely working on the ritual site and the portal structure, but rather than destroying it, they seem to be sanctifying and fixing it. They left in a hurry, however, once they grabbed the jewel. Unsure what to do next, Avil, Roy's symbiote fairy, reminds him that they still need to find the mantle. She tells him that in the wreckage of the ship, there may be a magic compass she had, 
that could help them find it. After investigating, they find that the ship's wreckage was taken to the Mage's College for study. Bruce disguised as a half-orc named Barry, and Roy and Grimm, disguised as students they met earlier, sneak in with Bob who, as a wizard, is an honorary member of the guild, and Dylan, now a member of the City Watch, into the college to go to meet Bop's friend, Quark, an eccentric transmuter obsessed with dwarven artifacts. While wheedling him for information about the crash ship, Grimm and Roy get overzealous and frighten Quark, who tricks them into joining him in a classroom of fellow mages, trapping them all in bubbles of force, which are then brought before Headmaster Horizon. Headmaster Horizon dismisses the angry and troublesome Grimm, who he treats as a hostile fae, to some unknown containment within the guild, and then questions the group on why they are there. Using their magics, the wizards are able to talk to Avil directly, showing to the party for the first time the woman that lives in Roy's head, and in so doing, they are able to question her. She tries to warn the group of the importance of getting back the mantle and the balance between the realms of mortals and that of the fae that will unravel. The mages back this up by warning that since the ship has shown up, there have been instabilities and random planar portals opening up all around it, portals that they have barely managed to contain within their mages' college itself. After this announcement, alarms sounded as the fabric of reality finally gave, allowing portals from the many different realms to start appearing all over the guild campus. As hordes of outsiders began to clamber in an attempt to be on the mortal plane, the party ran around trying to close them. Dylan took this time to try to save Julie, the girl he saved from the cult of Vina, and had set up as a student at the Mage's College. While saving her on the first day of school, Julie cast spells at Avrock, allowing Dylan to get the upper hand, before the head conjurer put the bubble around the school. Daedalus arrived, helping the party get most of the students and Julie off the campus grounds. While Roy and Daedalus saved Julie, Bruce and Bop fought off a wave of angry fae coming through a portal to the Feywild. After finishing them off, one last strange character stepped out, but rather than fight them, he asked if they had seen his master, the gentleman, skeleton, Mr. Grimm. Quickly finding they were less than helpful, he ran off in search of him, leaving the others to chase after. As the party met up, following behind this fellow who went by the name Evan, they found where Grimm was trapped within the teacher's common area and freed him. Meeting up with the head conjurer, they tried to head back outside, but were immediately stopped by a tremendous portal leading to the void, a plane of demons. The head conjurer, using a strange spell, sealed the school in an extra planar bubble in the hopes that teachers and heroes could save the day. He was last seen going down beneath a wave of demons. While resting after the initial rush and ensuing chaos, Dylan wandered from the party and was kidnapped by a group of devils who appeared using the planar chaos. They questioned him and took him back toward their portal to bring to their dark master. When Bruce and the rest awoke, they went searching for Dylan, and in so doing, found a young teacher named Star, a half-elven divination wizard and herbologist. They brought her with them, and using her ability to locate things, found Dylan as he was about to be taken through a portal to hell. The party fought quickly, and Bruce charged through the portal after the Devils, along with Roy. As the portal began to close, Bruce realized that Dylan was too far away, and thinking quickly, grabbed Roy and threw him back to be grabbed by Daedalus. Bruce was left behind in hell, and as he turned to find Dylan, and realized that Dylan had been teleported away, leaving Bruce stranded and alone. The party moved reluctantly forward without Bruce, and Daedalus warned them that soon the rest of the Fists of Newman would arrive to help. Quote, unquote. He told them they would likely use a portal ritual created by a set of stakes, allowing for multiple paladins to be sent in at the same time. But, once they arrived, Krieg would likely order his fists to kill everything inside, because he believed in a policy of total eradication so that demons and evil could not spread.
rushing against the elemental and fiendish portals opening around them, and now the added threat of a small army of paladins who would likely be hostile, the band found their way around the campus, eventually coming across Comet, a worn-out old gnomish evocation wizard, and saving him from Shadow Realm slavers. They took him to the student dorms, where they found a band of Azer, Fire Realm dwarves in league with Bop's family. Comet told the party that another of his fellow teachers, Fao Zephyr, the illusionist, had gone off ahead to find any remaining survivors. While arguing over the best course of action, Daedalus recommended that everyone else rest while he went ahead to find Fao, leaving the party to lick their wounds. Or so he had thought. Roy, after losing Bruce through the portal, was not willing to rest and chased after Daedalus just in time to save him from a Feywild giant called a Fomor, which ended up being more than Daedalus could handle on his own. As they both were fighting the giant to a stalemate, Dylan appeared from the portal above them, just in the nick of time. Dylan had been taken to hell, not to be punished by Azazel as he feared, but to meet with Azazel's deposed father, Aegeus Deemer, the previous Lord of Hell, who warned Dylan of the dangers of allowing his son to get his hands on any means that would bring large amounts of devils or himself to the mortal plane. He also gave Dylan the option of renewing his warlock pact with himself instead of his son, stressing that should Azazel have his way, life on the material plane as they knew it would be destroyed. Aegeus then sent Dylan back. After helping Roy and Daedalus to finish off the giant, another appeared, and not wanting to repeat what they just went through, they ran through the rubble of the nearby tower, only to reach a dead end. They were saved from any fight, however, as the dead end was revealed to be an illusion from Fao Zephyr, who helped them all escape. As the group reunited, the Fists of Numen arrived. Declaring open battle on the Azer and their small fort, they had set up within the students' quarters. The Azer held them off while our heroes moved in. The Azer held them off while the heroes moved on, in an attempt to swing wide around the college and find the portal system that the Fists had used to get in. Hoping to retrieve the pylons used for this transportation system, they attacked the auditorium, and so doing, ran into a Fist of Numen who happened to be a close friend of Daedalus, a half-orc named Sebobos Solinalus. Sobobos, joining the group on Daedalus' recommendation, helped secure the spikes, and then moved with them to the main tower, where they hoped to catch up with Krieg. They heard from a defeated paladin that Krieg was being accompanied by the master assassin Gavrilo Singali that Bruce had attacked earlier. On their way back to the hangar, where the ship was kept, they came across a skirmish between summer and winter fairies, and embroiled themselves in it, finding that a banshee who Avil recognized as her own sister was leading the winter fae. After the battle, Coin. Avil's sister informed everyone that the spring mantle they were looking for needed to be found much quicker than they thought. The mantle was a powerful piece of divinity, representing one-fourth of the balance of nature, and if it did not get returned to Fae and have a fairy take it up and become the new lord of spring, the realms of man and Fae would see a cataclysmic merging of worlds. Also, the longer it stayed on the mortal realm, the more fairies would be drawn into the plane, as the mantle itself would draw suitors to it to achieve balance. Moving with new urgency, our heroes found themselves in the hangar where the airship was kept, with Krieg and his fists in the wreckage, already searching for the compass. But in order to get there and beat them to the prize, they had to go through Gavrilo Singali, a warlock assassin who stood in the center of the room awaiting their arrival. Before fighting them, he used Bruce's true name, which he had found in the royal records, summoning Bruce from the realm of hell as a conjuring to fight and defend Gavrillo during the fight, as well as the ghost of Canton that he had bound to his service for murdering him. As they defeated Gavrillo, they set up the pylons, preparing to teleport them all back to Griffinport, but not before Dylan, dashing the fastest, beat everyone to the compass. But instead of giving it to his allies, he turned 
and he gave it to Krieg, as Krieg and the Paladins used portals of Gravillos to return home. So Bobos activated the teleportation pylons, but his calculations were a bit off. He landed the wreckage of the ship and much of the floor of the hangar in an old abandoned arena known for CD betting. As Krieg and the Fists escaped with the prize, Dylan dashed back to join his once allies in one last fight against Gavrillo. After a hard battle in which the Eye of Magog allowed Bruce to cheat the laws of a summoning spell, the party avenges Canton by slaying Gavrillo in a particularly gruesome fashion. This causes Bruce to become unsummoned, and to return to the plane he had been called from, leaving him trapped in hell once again. In the aftermath of the college destruction, the mages are quickly arrested by Regent Robert under trumped-up charges. The party is shattered by Dylan's apparent betrayal, and the loss of Bruce, who they all held in high esteem. Speaking with Mother Granlin at the Church of Vespera, they all chip in to perform a powerful ritual to get Bruce back, only to find that he is quite mentally damaged from his ordeal. Grimm and Roy go to speak with Dylan, trying to get some sense of his actions, only to find him living in an old manor of his family estates. Appearing to have re-embraced the power and desires of his father, Willen Bennett, who he seems now to be serving. Dylan aggravates the Fae by explaining little, only informing them that soon the armies of Griffinport will march on a new enemy to the east, and that they want, and that if they want to get the mantle back, they should join the military, a prospect neither of them finds agreeable. In the aftermath of their argument, and after summoning Bruce, Roy, Bop, Mother Granlin, Mullion, and Darius of the Thieves' Guild, and Grimm all hold a secret meeting about what to do next. They realized that it was likely Star, who was receiving payments from Robert and made the poison that sickened the king. Maybe she would be able to cure him. The idea is brought up that in order to bring back peace and take power from Robert, the only option available would be to kill King Roland, forcing the country to re-elect a new king upon his death and possibly stopping the upcoming war before it's done. Roy, as the most capable and willing, is elected to do this, and Grimm agrees to help him. Bruce in one last plea, tries to convince Roy to get Roland out of the castle instead, hoping that from there he could be healed. After infiltrating the castle, Roy and Grimm find the mages in the castle dungeons, and with their help, and the help of several young servants whom Bop got royal jobs, they manage to infiltrate the castle and steal the sick Roland, bringing him back to Bruce, who waits in the sewers beneath the castle. Then Roland and the mages went into hiding, looked for a way to heal the king, with the help of Star, who they brought as a captive. For Grimm's help, Roy gave up his claim to the jewel they found beneath the city, allowing Grimm to take the heart of Griffinport as payment. While Roy and Grimm went on their mission, Daedalus, Evan, Mullion, and Sarah, a priestess of Vespera who helps Dylan, all went ahead to track down and follow Krieg in his fists, as Krieg had left almost immediately after the mantle, once they had taken the compass. After that, Press gangs swept the city, and strangely, no one heard of the king's disappearance. Soon after, the party was swept into the army, and marched across the country to the town of Pixton. After arriving there, they found that disease and, disease and food shortage was running rampant in the countryside, and upon investigating, found that unnaturally large infestations of scrups, a small hybrid rat slug creature, may have been the cause. While doing their best to exterminate these pests, a strange fellow arrived, offering to rid the town for an unnamed favor. The party, already suspicious, quickly discovered him to be of fairy origin. As they moved to attack him, he played a tune on magic pipes, summoning all the scrubs from beneath the city and running the people out into the neighboring woods. 
That night, music began to summon the local children back toward the city. The party, waking in the night, did their best to corral the kids, before tracking down Pan in a cave system deep beneath the town. Despite Avil's concerns, they fought him, slaying his minions and eventually casting Pan into a pool of water that acted as a portal to the Feywild. The starving villagers, with nowhere to go and no interest to Will and Bennett's war machine, looked to the party for guidance, Grimm eventually leading one half and Sabobos another. Sabobos's villagers were directed on a tough journey, but a rewarding one, where they might rebuild to the northeast, while Grimm took many villagers into the Feywild, where they would be welcomed as new population in a world where new fairies were difficult to create. Grimm went through, wo Grimm went through the portal, only to find a smiling pan, who congratulated Grimm on his victory and gave him sage advice for his fights to come. Grimm was then shown a way back to meet with the group. Though Dylan had betrayed the group, he had done it to get closer to his father and the nobility. And as he was made captain, he found his father had given him increasingly difficult orders to follow, particularly because Dylan had begun to suspect that his father may have had some hand in the death of his son, Matthew. Will and Bennett had never made any secret that he despised orcs, and Dylan suspected that having his only son not only marry an orc, but breed with one, may have driven him to something terrible. Not only that, but it is well known that Willen supported Regent Robert. Dylan found himself unable to prove anything, however, his only hope being that by helping bring an army to the gates of Bree, he could buy time, and possibly have a large force to wield against his old patron and the nation he seemed to have undermined. But his conversations with his former allies made him realize he wasn't trusted by them anymore. After weeks of marching in bitter weather, one night the party was placed under an enchantment, a dream spell that was cast upon each by the wizards of the Mages' College, forcing them all to undergo a series of questions and scrutiny. King Roland had been awoken and healed, and he wished to know the party's allegiance. Quickly it became clear that Dylan was the most suspicious, so they recruited the others to bring him to a secure location in his sleep, where they could all listen to his interrogation. Upon finally hearing his motivations and the secrets he had kept, the party agreed that while the army had served its purpose getting them this far, they all needed to leave. And so Dylan, speaking with his father, changed his unit into a scouting one, giving them an excuse to ride out ahead of the army in the hopes that they could catch Krieg. Before they left, during a war meeting, Dylan learned that Krieg had followed the directions of the compass north, seemingly away from the capital of Bree as they had suspected, and strangely in line with the army's current course. Though unclear as to why, they prepared to ride north to the large entertainment town of Santitas. Shortly into their scouting mission, they found a band of Bree soldiers, far more to the north than any of their intel would have guessed, and after defeating them, they found they were transporting a box of what appeared to be half-fairy children. The children ran off back to their home, but not before asking if the party could go to a nearby fort, where the rest of the soldiers were holding more of their siblings. After fighting their way into the fort, they found a strange dwarven artificer named Underbrew, who activated a towering robot golem unlike anything they had ever seen. After defeating it, in a tense showdown with Underbrew in his lab, they captured him and saved the Fey children. Underbrew, once interrogated, told them that Bree had been researching using creatures, particularly children or even better, half-outsider children, as power supplies for various devices, an example being his monstrous golem. As he said this, Dylan opened a chamber in the chest of the defeated Automaton, locating a small tiefling child. So Bobus agreed to take Underbrew and the boy, who claimed to be Inquisitor Seth's son, the Bree spy that set Damon on his quest to blow up the Church of Newman so long ago. Before they left, Underbrew warned the group that Santitas was not what it seemed, and that Bree was already likely deeply infiltrated into the city. 
They followed the children back to their home, a strange hut and barnyard-style commune hidden in the woods, finding there that all the children were birthed from a fairy lady who went by, Baba. Upon spending a short time there, playing with some of the kids, Roy discovered that some of Baba's children were also half-breeds and full-on monstrosities that were kept and fed in the barn. Soon after, Baba fed the group a meal and began to start arguments with them, while trying to impress upon them the nature of conflict in some strange attempt to toughen them up. While the others became furious or irritated with her conversation until only Roy was left behind, she made him an uncomfortable proposition, causing him to flee as well. As the party gathered to leave, Baba and her supporters made it clear that if the party did not help her gain the mantle, they would be attacked. And as the party moved to flee, a horde of beasts and monsters burst forth to give chase to the group, hounding them as they tried to escape, and as Baba turned into a naga and gave chase herself. And this picks up on episode 101. Welcome to our show. That took a while to write and say. Thank you all for checking in. I hope you enjoy it. Now you won't have to start all the way over. Welcome to the tavern. Thanks for listening. Hey, tavern goers. Thanks again for joining us for another adventure on Torchlit Tavern. Hopefully you've been listening to us leading up to Arc 4, but if not, you can always go back to our beginning, or, if you are less inclined, I have provided a summary of the story so far at the beginning of episode 50. If you are looking for other ways to listen to us, we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Podbean, or any of your preferred podcasting services. Please continue to share, like, and most importantly rate us on whatever your preferred service may be. We have no designs on any vast empire, but the more you help, the more we can share our small, silly story with others. If you truly love our show and want to go above and beyond our dreams, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon backslash Torchlit Tavern, where we can reward you with bonus content, including blooper episodes, additional lore, or bonus episodes. If you wish to reach out to us, you can contact us directly at TorchlitTavern at gmail.com or visit our website at TorchlitTavern.com. We also can be found on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching Torchlit Tavern. You can find me, Jameson Oxford, on Twitter at Agent Beige. You can find Ryan at Ryan SCB Santos on Twitter. You can find Jeff at Big underscore J underscore The Badman on Twitter. And you can find Randall on Instagram at Argo Omega. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, Fekir Warlock, dear. <laughs>